Hello and welcome to Ilani Talks, a podcast focused on redefining self-care and love for your mental health. I'm your host, Ilani Salcedo. Throughout the podcast episodes, I share my own experiences while others feature some truly wonderful guests. This week, Kelly Travis, who's also a podcaster of her own podcast, She Doesn't Settle, joins as a guest on this episode. In our conversation, she shares the way our mindset impacts every choice, the societal barriers she's broken away from, the importance of challenging thoughts, her own mental health challenges, a myth she likes to debunk, and more. Tune in and learn how pivoting from a path you're on in life is more than okay. Welcome to this episode, Kelly. Really glad you've been able to come on and join me today. Thank you so much for having me. I'm excited to chat. As we begin our conversation, let's start with the two questions that I usually ask all my guests. What do you do and what do you want to be known for? I am a health and leadership and success coach. I I kind of work in two specific areas. I work within organizations with their leadership teams and their employees, focusing on health and well-being and, and communication leadership. And then on the flip side, I work with really, I have a mastermind. And so I work with a group of women and support them as they work towards their goals and as a collective, you know, create that safe community to do the work. Amazing. And what do you want to be known for? Oh, right. That question. (laughs) I guess professionally, what I want to be known for is somebody that empowers folks to live the life that they want, to step outside of the box, um, Mm -hmm. to kind of release some of the expectations that we all feel like are set for us and to do what really drives and motivates them and and keeps them healthy too. Yeah, so many important points. And I I really hope that whoever's listening knows this just as much as we do that really our beliefs are things that make us do or not do the things we do. And like you mentioned, the box or the expectations that we think we need to achieve While what I just mentioned is really a broad statement, I do want to start our conversation leading with that because I believe breaking out of our mindsets and the ways we think ultimately alter our beliefs. And I'm really so fascinated by how a person's journey does that at different stages in their life. And I know you've been through your fair share of experiences Mm -hmm. that really highlights that in your own journey that you'll definitely be giving a voice to on this episode. Yeah. Yeah. It seems like every day, whoever I'm talking to or coaching or even my kids, the conversation about what's going on in our mind is Mm. always present, right? And what do we do with that? What do we do with that information? And, And it really is our choice, right? We have that loop. We have those patterns of um, thoughts that are ingrained in us from, you know, a very early age for a lot of, you know, for most of us. And it's, Mm recognizing that we have the option to challenge those thoughts and to think differently. And the more that we do that, the more we flex that muscle, the the more our feelings and our actions and then our results will change, right? We, we have mm-hmm. that control. We have that choice. But it is like, it's like exercise, right? 
Mm-hmm. We're not going to get any better at a specific, you know, let's say running because that's my jam. We're not going to get any faster or or better at that unless we practice. And it's the same with challenging our thoughts. It takes practice. Yeah. Practice is, is really the key because sometimes we might want things like automatically just because we want the change. Mm-hmm. But like you said, we have that choice and we also need to really s- stretch that muscle to yeah. like make the right changes for ourselves. Yes, exactly. My first question for you is, in your opinion, what does it take a person to notice they have to overcome certain mindsets to grow in their life? Just what we talked about. Mm -hmm. I mean, self-awareness, I know it's an overused word, but it really is that, (laughs) I mean, our brain, we have roughly like, it's somewhere around 60,000 thoughts a day, right? And of those 60,000, what's that? It's so insane that we have no, so many thoughts. So many. And of those 60,000 thoughts, 85% are negative. Mm-hmm. And like upwards of 90 are the exact same thoughts we had the day before, which just shows us that our brain is lazy and it's going to accept whatever we think. And we think the same things over and over again. And because of that, we never challenge them, right? Mm-hmm. And so it's slowing down. For me, it was literally starting to journal and slow down and recognize like I have clients where I ask them to put a post-it note up on their computer that says, what are you thinking right now? So that you just get in the habit of like tuning in because typically it's not something positive and that's where it has to start. Definitely. And with, with all that we've already spoken about, what are the first societal barriers you wanted to break away from that you can remember? Well, I would say it, I guess it was early on in my career and the biggest barriers were around, you know, where women are expected to be, especially in a Mm -hmm. professional setting and trying to figure out how to break that cycle and not only be looked at in the same way as you sit around that table, but also be paid, you know, equivalently. Mm -hmm. And, um, and then also that expectation that you're just supposed to climb this ladder linearly, right? Like we're just Mm -hmm. supposed to not linearly, but you know, we're supposed to follow this, like this route once we start something and that, you know, you know what, it's okay if I decide that I don't want to do this thing anymore and Mm -hmm. I want to completely pivot. Right. And there's this fear in our society that, you know, if I completely shift gears, if I give up what I'm doing right now, then that's going to be perceived as a failure that I couldn't do it instead of, you know, no, I'm making a choice for myself and this feels better. And that goes back to choice. Mm -hmm. But I think also, as you were explaining, kind of climbing the ladder, Uh, professionally, that is also kind of part of a box that society definitely puts us in that Mm -hmm. doesn't give us that challenge to really think like, oh, do I really want this? Or this is just kind of what I've been taught in a way. Exactly. Exactly. So so yeah, it goes back to what you first mentioned, but it all just like kind of ties together, which is, it's really something we need to be self-aware, you know, and be really conscious of. 
Yeah. And just tuning in and asking ourselves what we really want. Mm -hmm. Right. I don't know that we do that enough. We just get into this autopilot mode and do what we think is expected and, and follow, you know, some path that has been laid out and, and then we end up not happy and wondering why we're not happy. Right. Yeah, exactly. Before you began working for yourself, you were in sales and publishing. Can you share how you got into that industry and what those years taught you that helps with the work you do today? Yeah. So I actually um, started my career in public health and mental health. Okay. And then I ended up in publishing a few years into my career by accident. Mm -hmm. Um, I made a move cross country and it just so happened that I landed in this, you know, in the city that publishing and sales was big. And, and I thought, you know what, I'll try something new for a little while while I figure out what's going on in the city and where I can land. And that ended up in being like a 10 year career. (laughs) And, you know, I am a very competitive driven individual. I I like to be in leadership. I, I like to it's always been an area I, I, I thrive in. And so stepping into sales and publishing, I excelled because I was competitive with myself. And I also just had big visions of what I could do within those roles. And what I, the question was what I learned, right? Mm-hmm. I learned a lot about myself in that that was kind of the period of time where I realized I was doing something I was really good at, but I didn't love. Mm -hmm. And I realized, you know, once I had climbed the ladder as far as I probably could have in that organization and became the publisher of the magazine division and was doing all these things, like I thought I was going to be happy. Right. Mm -hmm. You know, I, I Mm -hmm. checked all the, off all the boxes. I did all the things I moved up the ladder and I thought, okay, well, okay, great. I should be happy. (laughs) (laughs) And that's when I had that realization, like Kelly, you're still, you know, doing things that you feel like are expected. And the other thing that, you know, has been transferable with throughout my career is just my ability to communicate and to work with people and listen to their needs and then figure out solutions. And that was a very large part of, you know, what I did Mm -hmm. within those roles. And that kind of goes into our next question. Through your business, you help women and what you speak about on your podcast, She Doesn't Settle, encourages the confidence to step fully into the roles of our lives. While the total balance of those roles isn't necessarily achieved perfectly, what's your advice to make it feel more attainable? I've learned a lot throughout my life. And one of the things I've learned about achievement And this is going to sound ridiculous and your listeners are going to think I'm crazy, but it's lowering the bar. (laughs) So (laughs) I I am a big goal setting. Goal getting is my jam. Like that is my Mm -hmm. thing. But it doesn't look the same way as a lot of, you know, what people talk about. And I really bring in my athletic background in this way because, you know, we have we can have big goals and we should, right? They're what motivate us, they're what get us up and keep us excited. But then we have to forget about those big goals and we have to focus on the day we are in, right? Mm-hmm. What do I need to accomplish today? What's this, what's the next step? Just the small step. Like, is it being consistent with some things? Is it, 
you know, making, taking action in one area that keeps us moving in small incremental ways. Like it's building that foundation versus what I see so many people doing when they have goals, which is trying to go from zero to 100 and then quitting mm-hmm. after day two because it feels impossible to move at that speed, right? Yeah. And it's uh, it's like another muscle. Like you need yeah. to to build that up and work day by day and like really simplify it. Like you said, like you could have big goals and we should have that, but we need to then come back to really be present with, okay, where are we are today? Yeah. And like you said, take those small steps to eventually get there. And I'm a big proponent of that. I'm always kind of trying to share that message because I think it's so important. And also we could easily burn ourselves out just because we're thinking of getting to that huge goal. A hundred percent. And the other thing that happens is you get into overwhelm, right? right? You start to think, here I am and here's this goal. And you can't even imagine how you're going to become that person who has achieved that Mm -hmm. goal, right? Because it's so far away. And they're like, forget Mm -hmm. it, right? I think about it when I'm training for, like, right now I'm in the middle of training for another marathon. Mm -hmm. And I'm like six weeks out. I am nowhere near where I need to be six weeks from now. I'm going to freak myself out if I keep thinking about that marathon right now. Because I'm not supposed to be in marathon shape, (laughs) tip-top shape right right now. But we talk ourselves out of it if we get in our head like that. Yeah, definitely. Let's backtrack to an earlier part of your life before you created the one you have today. Can you speak about the mental health journey from being in a psych ward, the effects of your eating disorder, and the toxic marriage you got out of? So I I was it it's funny, I'm working on a book right now, and so all of this is very top of mind mm-hmm. because I've been like in the journals and yeah. spending time <laughs> reading about these this period of time. Uh But when I was 20, I was admitted to the psych ward and spent, you know, in and out, like on partial treatment and and then in the psych ward for an eating disorder. And I was very, very sick. And I really was in a lot of denial at the beginning, right? Like, I don't belong here. There's nothing wrong. I just, you know, have this thing that is an issue. I can, I'll be Mm -hmm. fine, right? And then as I went through the process and really started to understand, like, no, this is, you've really harmed yourself. This is unlike, this is no different than any other addiction because eating disorders are kind of technically classified as an addiction. Mm -hmm. And, you know, this work has to be done. And, you know, the psych ward was the beginning of my recovery. It was by no means the Mm -hmm. end because it took probably 10 years after that for me to fully get to a place where it's not controlling my life. I did relapse a couple times and, and I just, I had done the work to gain the weight and to look healthy, Mm -hmm. but mental, my mental health was still a hot mess and it actually didn't really turn until I got pregnant with my first son. And I, kind of, you know, found myself on the bathroom floor crying, not because I was overwhelmed with joy, but because I was completely freaked out about bringing a child into this world when I still wasn't taking care of my own self fully. And so that was kind of the catalyst for me to start doing the real work on my mental and emotional health. 
And again, a process, right? Day one day at a time. It doesn't just happen overnight. And and the toxic marriage that you mentioned, that was that happened because I still was so insecure and had so much self-hate and so much so much of the inner critic that I felt like I kind of deserved mm-hmm. that. And so once I got myself healthy, I left that also. So it was really this journey of discovering myself, you know, getting to a place where I could recognize my own value and decide what I needed for myself. Yeah. And it's a journey. Like, like you said, it didn't happen overnight. So it's really like, I guess, like the small steps that you also took, even if your mental health wasn't okay in some of the steps that you might have looked healthier and like mm-hmm. you said, gain the weight, but it's really a journey that I don't think ever kind of ends, especially when it comes to our mental health, because life is always yeah. happening, you know? So, yeah. So, yeah. Yeah. And, you know, it's really about breaking again, like we were talking about some of those patterns of thoughts and that lead to certain behaviors. Mm-hmm. And, and for me, it was, you know, I, you know, I, dove into work and I poured everything into my career to distract myself from (laughs) like the other parts of my life that were a hot mess. Mm -hmm. And, and so it wasn't until I slowed down and kind of took inventory of everything and went, okay, I got some work to do, which we don't do, you know, as a society, we avoid, Mm -hmm. we avoid all the things that don't feel right because it's uncomfortable and change is uncomfortable and it's going to require work and we know it's going to be hard, but it's the best thing we can do for ourselves. Yeah. It releases the hold that it has on you. Exactly. During the moments you've shared, was there ever any support from anyone that you had the chance to lean on, even if it was minor or was nothing really shared until things hit the fan, so to speak? So you're talking about... The, just the stuff we just talked about. Yeah. I use therapists, right? Mm-hmm. So I'm a big, big fan of therapy mm-hmm. um, when it comes to mental health, especially right now during these crazy times. Um, so I would say that the constant would be therapy. Mm-hmm. Minor, maybe some friends, but I was, you know, when I was in this, I was mm-hmm. very private and I was ashamed mm-hmm. of a lot of these things, especially, well, both of these things we're talking about. And so it wasn't until I left the marriage and Mm. that people started to come around and go, you know, I had a feeling. And so I was very private because I felt like I, I failed, right. Mm -hmm. I failed. Mm -hmm. Eating disorder felt like a failure because I was a competitive athlete who had to drop out of college and, you know, give up that whole career. And then the marriage felt like a failure because I, you know, it was my second failed marriage. I married basically, I guess if we're talking about people we leaned or someone I leaned on when mm-hmm. I was sick with the eating disorder, I started dating someone who then became my husband and he was my rock. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I think he saved my life during those times. Um, but as I changed and grew, it just, you know, we got further apart. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, there were there were some people, but I, you know, the constant was therapy and I was very ashamed. And so I didn't ask for help or share what was going on. And I think I've learned a lot from those experiences. Now, Mm -hmm. as a single mom, I'm having to 
learn, um, especially during these COVID times to ask for help Mm -hmm. and talk about what's going on. Because I know that if I don't, it can be detrimental to my mental, physical, emotional health. And you probably mentioned this already, but maybe you could dive into it a little bit more. What mindsets did you have to outgrow in order to show up best for yourself, either in the past or present, or just anything you'd like to share? Yeah. Well, one was I was a strict perfectionist. Mm -hmm. And I learned, you know, that's kind of what landed me in that health crisis I was in. I was wanted to achieve and um, I became obsessed. Mm -hmm. And perfectionism is definitely something I learned growing up. And so I've had to let go of that and really recognize that that it, there's no such thing, right? I talk about this all the time when I do, when I speak, you know, good news, it doesn't exist. Like that's mm-hmm. not a thing. We can't achieve it. Um, so we can just lower the bar a little bit. And so that has probably been the biggest mindset I've had to outgrow. And then the other one is, you know, I've always been somebody who doesn't want to depend on anybody else. It's just the person I am. Um, I see it or saw it as a failure, as a weakness, and I've learned that it's the exact opposite. And so getting out of the mindset that I have to do everything alone. And that's such an important message because I feel like a lot of us could be really perfectionists, especially if we have our own businesses and do the things that we really love at times that could definitely come up and... Also not asking for help as a person, as an independent person myself, like I have definitely grown in that aspect, but it's definitely something that's not as easy all the time, but I'm able to like lean into more into that a little bit more nowadays. Good. Good. I love hearing that. Yeah, no, definitely. Because like you said, like you, you notice that you do need the help as much as you like to take care of everything yourself. It's not really realistic. You're also only one person, so there's only so much you could spread yourself thin, you know? Exactly. And then we're talking about, you know, our own health and well-being Mm -hmm. being sacrificed, and then you can't show up for the ones you love and do the things you love. So it has that ripple effect. I want to move our conversation to you becoming a mom to your two boys. How has motherhood shaped you to strive harder for the goals you have for yourself and for the life you wish to always give them? Oh, that's a good question. I I think that everything I do, I think about them. Mm-hmm. And that was a shift for me mm-hmm. uh, because I was so focused on my own goals, right? I mean, I my profile, my number one strength and strengths finder is achiever. <laughs> like, I just want to achieve all the goals. Mm-hmm. And so having kids, you know, pulled me back a little bit and I became a lot more selfless in that it wasn't just my own goals, right? Mm-hmm. Now I'm thinking, how does this impact them, right? What what is what is what I'm doing going to? Is it going to hurt them? Is it going to harm them? You know, um, and so that has played a huge role in the tr- like the way that my business has evolved, mm-hmm. and it was the reason that I actually started my business because I recognize that my unhappiness in my work was not going to be helpful in, you know, the lives of my kids because I was bringing it home and, you know, 
kind of resentful and all of those things. Mm -hmm. And so now when I think about what I'm building and where I want to go, I'm thinking about, you know, my own freedom and Mm -hmm. how I can spend more time with them and make a better life for them. So yeah, it's always on my mind. (laughs) And to kind of piggyback on that, as a single mom, how do you keep your mental health and self-care practices present and active as much as you can, of course? Yeah, this <laughs> this is a tough one. And I would be lying if I said that I have this all together. Right. Um, I, I have learned to give myself permission to embrace the mess. I used to call it the beautiful mess. But I, it's messy. I mean, it is messy. And um, I'm not doing it perfectly. And this past year with COVID has really, you know, there were times where I thought I was going to break. And it meant, you know, calling on those people that we talked about, right? Asking for help, Mm -hmm. using my therapist. And I am a runner and running is my therapy. Like Mm -hmm. those. So when COVID, when it happened and we went into lockdown, my kids are old enough to ride bikes Mm -hmm. and um, I'm a runner and uh, I need it for my mental health. It's like, you know, it's my therapy. So, Mm -hmm. you know, another quiet space. And they, every morning on our, they got on their bikes, I ran and it wasn't perfect, but it was a way for me to still have that habit in place. Mm -hmm. And I, I'm a big fan of breath work, of journaling, of having fun, Mm -hmm. right? So finding those ways to shake up the energy and getting out of our heads into our bodies as much as possible. Yeah. And you mentioning running, you're outside, which is so great to be in nature yes. for to do that for you as well. So mm-hmm. it's like all of those things combined. Yes. Hmm. And lastly, what's one myth about mental health you'd like to debunk? For people who struggle with mental health issues? Is yes. That, or or yeah. what whatever comes to mind. You know, there's a stigma, obviously, mm-hmm. around it. And I've lived through it and with it. And it's why I studied it. Mm-hmm. Um, and that is that there's nothing wrong with anyone who it doesn't, it's, it's a part of who we are, right? Mm-hmm. And everyone struggles with some kind of challenge when it comes to our, our mental health. Mm-hmm. And it might be temporary or it might be lifelong, but there's no one that doesn't have, you know, challenges in this area. It's what makes us human. Um, we are emotional beings. We are, you know, life is hard and messy and scary. And to believe that anyone is immune to it would be just silly. Mm-hmm. Um, and so to debunk that fact that nobody struggles with it, right? right? I think that that's a huge one. And I think to go a little bit further, I did an episode on this with one of my clients a while back that it's bad to take medicine. You know, I think Mm -hmm. that everybody's journey is unique. And for anybody who is feeling shame or like there's something wrong with them for needing to be on medication, no, you know, Mm -hmm. if it makes you feel better, if it helps you focus, if it helps you feel your best and allows you to function better, then there is absolutely nothing wrong with taking something. Yeah. Like you say, everyone's different. And also Mm -hmm. everyone 
their their mental health is different and have different effects with anything, you know, and yeah. all these different tools that are used. So whatever works for you, as long as you're feeling good about the, that decision. Yeah, exactly. And we all know what's best for us, right? Yeah. Um, and making those choices based on what we feel works best for us, whether it's therapy or it's you know, meditation mm. or, or medication, whatever the case may be. And it changes and evolves over time. And that's okay. Yeah, it's a journey. <laughs> uh-huh. Kelly, thank you so much for being on Ilani Talks and sharing what you have. I really love what we were able to cover and all of your insights. Thank you, Ilani. It was great to talk to you. Thanks for tuning in this week to Ilani Talks. Refer to the show notes for details we discussed in this episode and more about the guests. To get in touch, send a DM on Instagram at Ilani Talks. And if you enjoy this podcast, visit ilanitalks.com to sign up for the newsletter at the very bottom of the homepage. By signing up, you'll receive exclusive information that only subscribers get. Until the next one, with all my love, Ilani.